Amen. Go ahead and in your Bible, get into Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13. As always, I have no idea who's going to show up before we start our lessons. And, uh, and so, whatever questions I pick or uh, subjects we talk about, they're uh, for whoever's here. And uh, if I have something to say to you personally, I'll find you personally. And these principles that we have been talking about for marriage and that we'll talk about today are they're certainly something that Sharon and I do not practice perfectly uh, over the years. The better we have gotten at following these Bible principles, the better our marriage relationship has been. And uh, I thank God for his plan to produce a loving, peaceful uh, secure home. Uh, before we start and answer questions you turned in, I want to just remind everyone of the eight things we start off with every time. Number one, nothing can be taken back. Uh, that's been done. Uh, what's done is done. Number two, all any of us can hope to change is today and tomorrow. Uh, by the grace of God, they can change and be better. Number three, if you're struggling, you didn't get where you are in a day. Uh, so you're not going to get out in a day or a week or a month, but by the grace of God, uh, you can get out. Number four, you can only control one person in this world. And so I ask that you focus on that one in this class and focus on that one as you uh, make your marriage decisions. Uh, number five, there's always hope as long as God is involved. If you have decided that you never loved, you can begin to love because God is love. If you have decided you don't love anymore, you can love again. Because God is love. If you've decided, I don't love enough, you can love more uh, because God is love. I hope uh, above all things, as we talk about all this marriage stuff, that you'll just come to recognize that your relationship with Christ and your walk with Christ makes all the difference in the world uh, in your marriage. Number six, no one's destined to repeat the home in which they were raised. If it was bad, you can succeed. Number seven, no one's assured to have a great marriage. If you come from a great home, you can fail. And number eight, and lastly, the person to whom you are now married is the person to whom you are supposed to be married. And as always, um, you know, we're going to start out with questions you turned in. And I think maybe one of these is one from uh, a previous uh, session that I just thought had a lot of good application. And uh, you've turned in a lot of questions about communication, which is what we're going to talk about today. You've turned in a lot of questions about uh, fighting fairly, disagreeing fairly, and we will get to that in a, in a couple weeks, uh, Lord willing, anyway. Here's question number one. My husband blames me for not accepting his role as leader in our home, even when his decisions are not good. How can I help him see this without hurting his confidence? Uh, the first thing you have to do is... Uh, honestly face how well you accept your husband as a leader. Uh, then you also need to honestly consider if his decisions are bad or they're just decisions you don't agree with. Uh, remember, there's two different things. A bad decision and a decision you don't like aren't the same. And you need to be honest as you think about that. Uh, let me ask you this. Are you learning and working on being a better follower? How about this question? Are either of you getting any wise counsel on major, major decisions you don't like? Listen, if you get wise counsel on a decision your own li that you don't like, if you really want to know, 
it's either going to expose the fact that his decision was bad or it's going to expose the fact that your definition of his bad decision is wrong. See, see the thing of it is, is we got to be so careful because we, we really, oftentimes, we don't want to know the truth. And if, if you really want to solve this, you got to get to the truth. Uh, people interested in making good decisions aren't afraid of getting wise counsel. Um, and if your husband is making bad decisions, um, pick a couple of good examples. Make the situation a matter of prayer. Uh, pick a good time. Pick a good tone. Have an adult discussion. Um, by the way, whichever lady turned this in, I'm glad you recognize that how you handle your husband's decision-making, it'll greatly affect his confidence in the future. Uh, number two, what can I do if my spouse isn't pulling their weight and I can't make up the difference? Uh, remember, you need to always begin by fairly dividing up the tasks that need to be completed based on how many hours each person has available to do them. Uh, the next thing you need to do is be honest about your plan. I mean, almost never does our first draft of a budget or our first draft of a plan for how to divide up tasks, almost never is the first thing you do right. And so the first thing you need to do is just be honest. If what you first decided isn't right, you know, modify it. And what I would then say is, you know, handle your spouse like you would want to be handled. If you are not fulfilling your part of the task, what would you want? Somebody to be patient with you? Would you want somebody to pray for you? Would you want somebody to work with you? I mean, so do, do, the, do the same thing. And uh, again, if the problem uh, continues, uh, get some wise counsel uh, or pick a couple of clear examples. Make the situation a matter of prayer. Pick a good time. Pick a good tone. Have an honest adult conversation. By the way, you will hear me say that a hundred times in this class. I mean, one of the things we do and we do poorly is we have all this that goes on and festers in our heart and mind, and then it just all comes out when we're angry. And almost never when we're angry do we say things in a right way, and almost never when we say them in anger are they received well. And so it's just so, so important whenever you have these conflicts or disagreement. I mean, most of the time these kinds of problems are perception or expectation issues. I've got this here. It is ridiculous for men to come home from work and expect his wife, who has also worked all day, uh, to do everything. It is equally ridiculous for a stay-at-home mom to do little or nothing around the home during the day, but have plenty of time for Facebook, blogging, and TikTok issue videos. Uh, divide your tasks fairly. Uh, here's number three. My wife wants to homeschool our children. How do I tell her I don't think she can educate our children very well? This is an old question, but I, I put it in there because, again, it, it just there's a lot of always applicable things. Uh, the way we choose to educate our children is an important family decision. Unfortunately, nearly everyone has someone in their ear trying to get them to educate their children like they educate their own. <laughs> um, whatever way you choose to educate your children, hear me when I say this, if it leaves your children poorly educated and unable to get out of bed in the morning and unable to live by a schedule, you have hindered and hampered your children for life. Did you hear me? Uh, man, I wish you could hear that. There is no one-size-fits-all answer to education. Uh, the way you educate your children 
uh, should depend on the strengths and weaknesses of the child, the strengths and weaknesses of the mother, the strengths and weaknesses of the public and Christian schools that are near you. Make the, make the situation a matter of prayer. Get wise counsel. Hey, listen, I've seen people from every one of those environments do great. I've seen people from every one of those environments do really badly. Uh, please put in your head this. There's a big difference in a good 8-year-old and an 18-year-old who is an independent, functional person of faith. There are a lot of systems that produce good 8-year-olds far less that produce 18-year-olds who are functional. Remember, this isn't our parenting class, but the goal of parenting is not for, for you to have a trophy child. The goal of parenting is for you to produce an independent, functional adult who lives by faith. And um, lastly, number four. How can we love more? I'm always so tempted. To, I have a lot of things on my mind, but I want, I want to stay focused because I want to get to our subject today. Uh, number four, how can we love more? How can I properly love my wife or husband? What does it mean to love? And we had a lot of questions like that. And, and, and obviously, we, we could spend hours on, on that, but uh, I only have a brief moment, so I want to say a couple of things. Uh, first thing, biblical love is an action word. That, that's why on purpose... Our Bible, on occasions, translates the word love as charity, uh, love in action. Uh, love in our culture is just a feeling. Love in the Bible is sometimes a feeling, but if love is true, it will produce action. By the way, that's why Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He didn't say, if you love me, say it, though we should say it. He didn't say, if you love me, feel it, though it's wonderful to feel it. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Uh, and so really, the answer to this question varies from person to person because each person wants to express love differently, and each person wants to receive love differently. What I would say to you is the best kind of way to love your spouse is look for the way they want love expressed and express your love to them that way. We have much more of a natural tendency to want to express love like we want to express love, and then if they don't want to receive love like we want to express love, eh, they don't love me. You know, look for the way they want love uh, expressed and do that as much as, as you can. Um, I think that like a, a teenager's love or, or you know, a newlywed's love, uh, you, you know, it's wonderful, it's exciting. I mean, I, I would liken it unto, um, you know, an eight-ounce glass of orange juice. You, you know, when you have, by the grace of God, uh, you know, been together 20, 30, 40 years and um, shared life's experiences and difficulties and sacrifices and time, you, you know, it's like a 16-ounce Glass of orange juice, the same thing, just way more of it. And so what I would say is um, purposely uh, spend time together, purposely share life's experiences together, purposely share church and ministry together, uh, share all those things. You know, th those are the things that deepen and, and build your relationship uh, with, e with each other. Our, our culture wants to always tell us, hey, love is always this feeling. And I would say, listen, it is wonderful to feel love. But, but in the end, you will more deeply feel love and love 
by shared experiences, shared faith, <laughs> shared goals in life, shared difficulties. And, um, and so I, I would say that. And to do any more than that, I would have to take a whole lesson, and I, I don't want to do that in here. Uh, you should be in Hebrews chapter 13. And uh, today, our, our subject is uh, communication. And so the title of my, talk, my, my thought today is let's talk about this. And um, unfortunately, a lot of people come from a home where uh, bad communication was the norm. And a lot of people uh, have, you've basically said to yourself in one way or another, I'm not a good communicator, which is fine to come to that conclusion. But when you don't take the next step, which is, okay, what do I need to do to be a better communicator? You're kind of missing the point. And so today what I want to do is, is talk about and have some practical pointers for better communication. Oh, listen, we could all stand to improve on this. My hand is up. Uh, Sharon and I communicate better than we used to. There are areas of our life where our communication could be better. Uh, this, to me, is one of those lifelong uh, processes that you need, you need to get in process. And so we're just going to talk about a few things that make our communication better. Hebrews chapter 13, verses, uh, verse 15 and 16. says, By him, that's by Christ, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Now, isn't that interesting that praising God is considered a sacrifice? Uh, by the way, it's a sacrifice because at times you're not going to feel like offering it. It's a sacrifice because at times you're not going to see God's goodness or God's love in that moment. And so you offer the sacrifice of praise because God is always good and God is always love whether we feel it or not. Verse 16 says, but to do good and to communicate forget not. For with such sacrifices God is well pleased. So notice in verse 16, to do good is called a sacrifice that pleases God. And notice, to communicate and not forget to communicate, that is also a sacrifice that pleases God. Um, now, we can probably pretty readily grasp how doing good is a sacrifice because almost always to do good on a, on a regular basis, it, it's going to be difficult. Uh, but to communicate... Uh, being called a sacrifice, that strikes us a, a little bit unusual. And, and certainly the first application for this is to communicate the gospel, to communicate people's need for Jesus. And we get how that is a sacrifice because of the personal risk that's involved, and we're still supposed to do it. But understand also that all communication is a sacrifice of some sort. And it helps us, and it pleases God. We read that there. With such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Now, a lot of people ha hide behind the fact that they don't consider themselves a good natural communicator uh, as an excuse to not even try. And, and listen, good communication is learned behavior. Hear me when I say this. Good communication is more than just being a talker. A lot of natural talkers fail to talk about anything important. They fail to talk to the right person at the right time. And they're often bad listeners. Good communication involves both speaking and listening. Hear me when I say this. You are not a good communicator just because you are a talker. 
I mean, there's people in this room, and you're the talker in the relationship. Every once in a while, a relationship has two, almost never. Uh, usually there's a talker and somebody who's not a talker, occasionally two talkers. Uh, but, but listen, you are not a good communicator because you're the talker. You see, good communication reduces the chance of one or both of you expecting something different than your spouse. I mean, think about it. You, uh, you're the spouse. You're expecting your spouse to, uh, to be home at 5 o'clock. Your other spouse leaves, and they have no expectation about when they're going to get home. And you didn't communicate. And so now you have one person just going la, 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 la through the evening, get home at 7, 8 o'clock, and then you got somebody else who's very frustrated and angry because they were expecting someone to be home at 5. And really, the whole root of that was bad communication. Uh, someone must sacrifice to take the lead in communication. Now, that person will vary depending on the issue and depending on your personalities. Almost always in a relationship, uh, that talker when you're young is, is the woman. And listen, if you need to take the lead in communication because your husband has not yet built himself into a better communicator, then you take the lead. Somebody's going to have to sacrifice to take the lead. Listen, if you're the person who takes the lead in communication in your relationship, mark it down. You are going to at times feel like, you know what, why am, I, why am I always a person that has to make this happen? Why am I always the person that has to make it right? It's a sacrifice. But listen, if, if no one's stepping up to take the lead in communication, you step up. It's also a sacrifice because we have to accept the way our spouse communicates. You know... Some people are just not verbal people. And you need to be looking for how your spouse communicates. You do, do I wish that everyone would become a better verbal communicator? Uh, yes, I do. But you know what? Uh, sometimes it takes people years, and sometimes they don't get there. And what that means is someone's going to have to sacrifice, and you're going to have to be looking for the way your spouse communicates. I had a, a meeting once with a couple. We're fighting about something. Uh, I don't remember what it was at, at this point because I don't ever remember that kind of stuff. But at the root of the issue, uh, she, he was angry and she was angry. Uh, she had done something he didn't want done. And he said, uh, she said, well, he didn't tell me what he wanted. And I just asked her a simple question. Did you know what your husband wanted when you made the decision? She said, yes. I said, well, you're just using the fact that he didn't talk to you about it as an excuse. He did communicate. He just didn't communicate the way he wanted. Hey, listen, when you're looking to do what you want to do, we'll always find a reason. It's very easy for the talker in your relationship to accuse the other person of not communicating when they did express themselves in some way. That's no excuse for not speaking. Uh, both people are going to sacrifice because it takes time and effort to communicate, and it takes time and effort to listen. Communication is not just talking. Communication includes listening. Now, almost always, I am a talker more by nature, uh, and I think I can speak for most all of the other talkers here when I say, you know what, sometimes I struggle to listen. And almost all talkers are bad listeners, 
And good communication isn't just talking, it involves listening. And so we need to work, work on being a good listener. You guys remember what James said? He says, let us be slow to speak, swift to hear, slow to wrath. Do you ever pray that in the morning? Lord, help me today to be slow to speak, swift to hear, slow to wrath. Now, unfortunately, in our culture, Facebook, social media, video games, it's hindered a lot of people from learning how to personally interact with other people. Hey, listen, if you just use uh, the screen or a video game to supervise your kids during the day, understand you are handicapping them for life. You cannot have a real relationship on the Internet. Real relationships are with people. If you would think that what you're doing is you're going to make their marriage more difficult when you don't help them learn to communicate face-to-face, -face, it might help you to put up with how big of a stink they are when they're not on a video game. Good listeners don't just randomly walk away from honest questions. But it is common practice in emails and texts and messenger from Facebook to have someone ask a question and you don't answer. If I said lift your hand, if somebody ever asked you a question by text or email or messenger and you, and you didn't answer, probably every hand would go up in here. That is bad communication. Listen, if texting is a viable alternative to talking, then you need to treat your texting like it's communication, which means if someone communicates, answer. How long does it take to hit the letter K Send. Uh, listen, uh, if I were to say lift your hand if you've ever sent something electronically and they didn't get it, every hand would be up. Some things go into electronic la-la land. And one of the things that you're doing when someone sends you something, you send, a, if you've ever texted me, I will send a thumbs up, I will hit a K, uh, I, I will do something. If you don't get a response from me, know this, I did not get what you sent me. Relationships on the internet are pretend. They're shallow. And I would beg you not to handicap your children for life and to develop these skills yourself. Most talkers are not good listeners naturally, and very few people start out marriage as a good listener. Do you put your phone down? Listen, automatically, if I'm talking to someone and they have their phone in, in their hand, the first thought that goes through my mind is they're not really listening to me. They're waiting for their phone to buzz. Set your phone down. Uh, when, when Sharon and I go out on a date or when we're driving somewhere, uh, listen, off the phone. Uh, after we're in the car for a while, I, I will say something. Do you care if I turn uh, the, the radio on in the car? I like to listen to talk radio. Um, you might not, uh, but, but listen, I can do one thing at a time. If talk radio is on, she's off. Most men aren't much different from that. Set your phone down. Listen, everybody needs to put their phone down at times, and they are the biggest hindrance that I know of in our culture to having healthy relationships. Let me ask you, are you making the sacrifice to communicate? 
to listen, to learn to be a better communicator? Are you looking for your spouse to communicate the way they're capable of right now? But it's not just communication requires sacrifice. Go to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. We're just talking about pointers for being a better communicator. If I, and don't lift your hand, but if I said, lift your hand if you've ever had a fight over something small that at its root had bad communication, every hand would be up. Every hand would be up. And so these practical pointers, are, they're really good, and I hope some of you in here will decide, you know what, just because I'm the talker doesn't mean I'm a good communicator. Uh, here's number two. Good communication requires integrity and transparency. Work to build both. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 6. I always call this God's hate list. I don't know what... Uh, Verse 16, Proverbs 6. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, severed or abomination unto him. Proud look, lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, heart that deviseth wicked imagination, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, he that soweth discord among brethren. We could talk about these a long time, but the interesting thing to me about the seven things that God says that are an abomination to him, three of them have to do with our words. Isn't that interesting? Uh, verse 17, a lying tongue. Verse 19, a false witness. Verse 19, he that sowed discord among brethren. It, it, isn't it interesting? You see, people with integrity and transparency, you don't lie, you don't intentionally deceive, you don't say things about someone you know that are not, uh, not true. You, you would never sow discord, not only in your own relationship, but in someone else's. And as I learned when we parented our children, uh, lying is not just saying something that's technically true. Our boys were masters at giving an answer that was technically true, but allowed you to be deceived as to what was really going on. And you had to ask more questions to really find out what was going on. Hey, listen, if you say something that's true, but you've deceived someone by the way you answered, listen, you still have technically been dishonest. Integrity pleases God. And a lack of integrity grieves God. And hear me, a lack of integrity slowly erodes the trust of your spouse. Most younger people need to improve their integrity. You say, why? Because pretty much as a teenager and young adult, and in some ways, to one degree or another, you survive uh, by deception. Lying and deception to your parents, lying and deception to your spiritual leaders, lying and deception on social media, lying and deception to your boss. I'm not saying it's right. Listen, have you ever really thought about this? The whole dating process is about lying and deception. You, you hold back all the negatives of you as long as you possibly can so that when, after you're married and you're committed to life, then it's fully exposed who you really are. Transparency builds trust. When you have nothing to hide, you have no reason to fear your spouse knowing. Paul said this, with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. You know, one of the greatest steps you'll ever take in your spiritual life is just decide, I want most for God to be pleased with what I do and say. 
See, when you do that, you will be glad when your spouse says, who are you texting to answer? You won't ever erase anything from your whatever that feed record thing is in Google, whatever. Well, when you have transparency. Uh, listen, when my wife wants to see my phone, here. She's welcome to any password I have. She's welcome to look at my phone at any time. If she asks me, who'd you talk to today? Who'd you meet with today? Who'd you have lunch with today? I'm glad to tell her. But at, at the root of that is, uh, I want to please Christ with my life. That will really help you if you just decide to do that. I tell my wife where I'm going. I tell her when I'm expecting to return. So, well, do you think she's your mother? No, she's my lover, and she is my spouse, and I don't want her to worry for even a moment of where I might be or who I'm with. Why don't you grow up? Why, why are you afraid to be accountable to your spouse? You're accountable to God. If I ever <laughs> were to hide something or felt like I needed to hide something from her, I would automatically assume something's wrong. If someone ever says to you, don't tell your spouse, don't tell your parent, don't tell the pastor, automatically something's wrong. It's a lack of transparency. You should not have a secret life from your spouse. Every secret life will eventually collapse in your face and hurt those closest to you. Numbers 32.23 says, Be sure your sin will find you out. And you know what happens? Be sure your sin will find you out. You say, well, nobody knows. It's on... Uh, listen, God knows. And it's going to come out. There's probably never been an actual affair that did not begin with some sort of a secret life or secret relationship you were unwilling to expose to the light of your spouse or your God. Now, most of us, uh, most people, you're going to have to grow in this issue of transparency. Uh, again, as children, as teenagers, as young adults, we very, we, we very often, we kind of survive by not being transparent. But a healthy walk with Christ changes this. And ideally, good communication is something you saw in your home as a child or were clearly taught by your parents. But again, as I said earlier, very often as a young couple, you start off as a, at a disadvantage. You've never seen good communication. You've never been taught good communication. You <laughs> and you need this. It's essential to a healthy marriage. And you, again, I said this over and over, being in a biblical church as much as you possibly can, when the doors squeak open, makes all the difference in your life. You see, because it's all about coming and listening with an open heart to what God has to say, and your relationship with Christ is the foundation of a good marriage. Are you living a transparent life? Are you living with trend, uh, uh, integrity? Do you have a secret life? Repent. Are you trying to become a better communicator. Proverbs chapter 27, there's a third thing it takes to have good communication. Listen, what I'm talking about, this is an area we can all improve on. Here's number three. 
Good communication involves good timing and subjects. <laughs> Choose your timing and subjects wisely. Proverbs 27, notice what it says in verse 14. And to me, this is a pretty good, f f funny proverb. Proverbs 27, 14 says, He that blesseth his friend with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, it shall be counted a curse to him. So what is that? So it means you go to your best friend's house, it's 5.30 in the morning, you begin to be in a Hey, man, I love you! You know, said, so, nah, that, your best friend said, nah, that's a curse to me, shut up. Come back in three hours. So it's, about, it's all about timing. Good communication involves good timing and subjects. See, a lot of bad communication occurs when we think any time is a good time to talk about something important or sensitive. Few men can carry on a meaningful conversation with the television on. I cannot. Uh, I have to turn the television off. I need to go in the other room. I, I cannot. Very few men can, can, can do that. Which means if there's something you know, your husband or wife really wants to watch. In my case, Duke Basketball. In her case, Project Runway. Bah. You know, wait till it's over. You know, a good timing, good subjects. It's almost always bad about to talk about something important when you first see your spouse after work. Just let the dust settle. Don't, don't have them walk in the house and then you unload everything that happened that day. You know, have, have 20 or 30 minutes that are just good conversation. It's almost always a bad time. Almost always bad to talk about something in public instead of private. Almost always bad to talk about something important over text. Can, can I just say, please stop that. Text is a great communicator of an information. It is a very, very bad communicator of everything else. There is no voice inflection. There is no facial expression. And almost always text is, you know, you send a text and then you go do something else. Meanwhile, that other person's there holding their phone, waiting for an answer. I know nobody here has ever done that. Meanwhile, the other person ain't thinking a thing about it. They're just over doing whatever. That don't, somebody has to have the maturity to say, hey, let's talk about this when we get home. Just either one of you. It'll make a lot of difference. Uh, we'll talk about this more later because of time uh, today. But whoever started the idea that it's good to talk about everything hasn't really thought that through. You really want your husband to tell you every time he sees a woman that's attractive. Do you really want your wife to tell you every time she's not confident in your decision? By the way, that's every decision. Do you really think that everything that goes through your mind and heart about life, your spouse and your spouse's family are good to bring up? Uh, again, whoever started this, I, I've had so many people tell me that over the years, and I don't say this out loud, but I say this in my mind. They say, oh, we talk about everything. I think to myself, you're stupid or you're lying. Oh, me and my teenager, we talk about everything. No, you don't. No, you don't. You just think you do. Listen, it's not even wise to talk about everything. Uh, listen, I get it. There are some things that your spouse needs to know and that are important enough that you need to talk about them, even if it's painful to talk about them. But listen, it's not good to talk about everything. Are you careful about what and when you choose to talk to 
with your spouse. And lastly, go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We're just talking about good communication, pointers to make it better. We could all use them. Sharon and I have had a lot of disagreements over the years. That had at its root bad communication. Everybody disagrees. Nobody ever has to have a fight. Here's the last thing, number four. Good communication includes being understood. Choose ways that are least likely to be misunderstood. Good communication includes being understood. Choose ways least likely to be misunderstood. Jesus says something really interesting in Matthew 5, 37. He says, but let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, or yes, yes, no, no. For whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. Now, evil in the Bible is used three ways. Sometimes it's evil in the sense that it's satanic. Other times, uh, evil uh, in the Bible, as it is in, in this particular case, is talking about catastrophic events. Um, a tornado is an evil thing, as the Bible uses the word evil at times. Uh, listen, for your communication to be more than yes, yes, or no, no, for your yes to not mean yes, your no to not mean no, understand the end of that is something catastrophic. Uh, <laughs> I know no one else here has said, hey, can I go do this? And they say, yeah, go do it. And then you come home, and they're angry. See, at the root of that is bad communication. Your yes should mean yes. If you don't have the internal fortitude, the intestines, the guts, to just be honest, you're going to set yourself up for failure. I know I'm not the only person here who's ever played the guessing game. What's wrong? Nothing. Is it this? No. Is it that? No. Is it this? No. I said there was nothing wrong. Was it this? Because you know something's wrong. You, you, you know, again, we've all done this, but this is not a helpful way or a good way to communicate as husbands and wives. Your yes should mean yes. Your no should mean no. And our communication is more than just our words. Much of our communication is nonverbal. Hear me when I say silence communicates something. But silence is easily misunderstood. That's why silence is not a good long-term communication strategy. Texting communicates some things well. But the silence between texts and the lack of tone and facial expression is easily misunderstood. Here's a, here's a good basic rule. Never communicate or disagree about anything important by text. The more important something is, the more you need to be sure you do it face to face. I get it, sometimes you can only do it by phone. That's better than a text. It does communicate some tone. It does allow you to respond immediately, but it still has no facial expression. The most important things, and almost always, it won't matter if you wait a little while to talk about them, should be face-to-face -face communication. Next week, because I'm out of time, we will talk about the physical relationship of a husband and wife, and uh, we'll go on to talk about fair fighting and 
all kinds of other things if the Lord tarries. Don't forget you have that little square, write a question, write something down, fold it in half. I don't care if you put a smiley face. I don't care if you, you say, well, did you see a bear in Gatlinburg? Uh, where did you eat in Gatlinburg? Why did you go to Arby's in Gatlinburg when you could have gone to the old mill? Uh, you know, I don't care what you put on, on there. Just write something, fold it in half, and throw it in the box. God bless you. You're dismissed. Which strike? still have it or you just had it? What's it from? Oh yeah. I came in at like 9.15 and you were already, you were gone. No, I didn't. Do uh... you guys have children here too? Okay, you said one child? Very good. Oh, okay. Great. Great. Oh, uh, oh shit. What's up, Cameron? How are you, man? Good. I heard your better half was uh, working today because yep. I knew her group was singing as a trio. Yeah, yeah. yeah she had to, you know, be scheduled. Uh, no, it comes Wait, along with a yeah, medical yeah. profession. Right. Yep. What's up, Shifty? Oh, <laughs> hey, Joanne, how are you? Good. How are you? Good to see you. What's up, Chris?
good. Good. Good, and you? Good, good to see you. What's up, Steve? Good to see you.